0: Oh, the pressure burns I think at night she'll look more like her Like she got it all figured
1: out And cause of the size of her thighs and the bow on her mouth Welcome to No Makeup, a podcast sharing authentic stories of really cool women who sign up to honestly and bravely tell us their stories. We believe stories can do a lot. They inspire, they console, and they shape our understanding of the world. So welcome, as we interview women we admire and ask them to figuratively, and literally, if they want to, take off their makeup and tell stories from the heart. Our podcast is proudly recorded at Vermont Public Radio.
0: Welcome to No Makeup. I'm Tiffany Bloomley, your host, and I'm joined in the studio by our producer, Marissa Parisi, and today's guest, Christine Hulquist. Christine spends her days as CEO of Vermont Electric Cooperative, Vermont's largest electric distribution utility. Hulquist is nationally respected for her expertise in renewable energy and cybersecurity. With the release of Denial, a documentary directed by her son, Derek, she's also known for her brave public transition from David to Christine. In today's interview, we'll talk about that transition and her experience as a woman. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: I think probably the best way to start would be to ask, when did you know that you were Christine?
2: You know, I I always knew I, I I had gender dysphoria my whole life. Ever since I can remember I wanted to be a girl or a woman. It's in fact, I will tell you my first experience that I can remember, and it was—I still remember that experience today. When I was probably about six years old, I smelled a girl's perfume, and all the boys liked this little girl, but I liked her perfume. Hmm. So it, it, immediately, I knew I was different.
0: And that was as intense then as as it became later in life.
2: That the the, uh, the intensity was always there at, at a very high level it's a, a feeling out of place and there's something not right with me
1: how did
0: that play out as you were growing up
2: well it played out um in that i always from earliest i can remember had it would dress up in women's clothes and girl i had a girlfriend a young a young girl uh, when I was in uh, third and fourth grade, whose parents owned a woman's clothing store, so I considered myself very lucky at the time. So we would go down to the basement, and things that didn't sell, we would try on and had fun together. And it really was—I remember that as being a lot of fun. So, and I always had my secret wardrobe, uh, and and that was something that I that I enjoyed, um, but at the time, the you know if. If you had gender issues, that was considered a mental problem, and you could end up in a mental institution.
0: And so, you were aware of that.
2: Oh, I was very aware of that, yes. In fact, um, I was, you know, I remember my mom dressing me up as Little Red Riding Hood for Halloween and how much I enjoyed it, but it was very clear that that was not something we want to be doing any other time but Halloween.
0: Hmm. Well, did she do that because she sensed in you?
2: No, she never sensed it. It, um, But, um, in fact, you know, when I told her uh, last year, she was quite surprised.
0: Hmm. Well, can you say, tell us a little bit about the steps that led to your ultimate decision last year to come forward publicly um, to your staff, your board, uh, as Christine?
2: Yes, and actually— That decision started 10 years earlier. Um, As I, you know, it was really, uh, when I was 44 years old, which would have been 16 years ago, is when I realized that this was never going to go away. And in fact, that's when I adopted the name Christine. Um, And when I was 48, I told my wife, who had known for many years that she didn't, you should know that she didn't know when we were married, but six years into it, she discovered it but we were going to keep it a secret to our grave. But that's where the problem really started coming uh, to a high level of intensity for me, because when I got to my late 40s, I was very proud of my three wonderful children. We were all very proud of the honest relationship we had with each other. And one of the most important things for all of us was to be open and honest, yet I hadn't told this most important truth about myself. And I I got into a very dark place. Um, in fact, I was considering suicide. When I started having those suicidal thoughts, I, I knew that I needed to do something because those are thoughts that you just shouldn't be having. So uh, not to say I would ever cons- you know, actually try suicide, but the fact that those thoughts were coming up as an option said, you know, you're in, a, you're in a dark place. You have to do something about this. So I announced to my wife, and it was pretty devastating for her because we were going to keep this secret to our our grave. So we we started seeing counseling, and it was several years before my wife was even ready for us to tell our children. And then telling the children, it was several years of family counseling before we were even ready to start talking to others about it. But at the same time, five years prior to last year, I sought out a transgender uh, counselor, and my, I said to her, my goal was to be a strong leader as Christine. I wasn't going to transition till I felt I had done enough work on myself to be the same strong leader as Christine, as David was. David was a very strong leader, a you know, good decision maker. People were proud of David's leadership, but Christine was kryptonite to David you know it was I, there was shame there was all i was carrying all types of shame and guilt it was really uh un i it was unthinkable 5 years ago that or 6 years ago that i could ever be a strong leader as christine but through the years of work it was last year uh 2015 when i said wow i am ready and and when i transitioned and 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 to this moment i feel very proud and I feel as a, I feel equally strong as a leader. Now there are differences, and we can talk about those in a minute. But, but.
0: well, so how has the last year been?
2: Well, the, the last year, I sh- it's it's been pretty amazing. Um, I will say I'm also a recovering engineer, so sometimes those uh, personal issues and those life issues don't make sense. And you can't explain them with science, and that's what really hard hard for me to accept the fact that transitioning would resolve my inner tension so even when i transitioned in september i i said this it can't be this simple however i'm i'm going to tell you now yes it is um and it doesn't make sense and i you know people come up to me and say i can't make any sense of this well i can't either <laughs> but But uh, I will tell you what was miraculous for me is, um, and which, and before I should tell you when I transitioned, the Pride Festival of Vermont, September fifteenth last year, was the date that I officially announced I was going to transition. But it officially came out publicly, and I transitioned on December second. But prior to that, about a a month earlier, I had called all of my board members to let them know um, that this was happening. And i that was basically the completion of a long cycle of working with family, close friends, and getting everybody prepared. And it was time to prepare the business community. And when my board members, I'd made the call on a Saturday to all of my board members, and they were incredibly supportive. It was was amazing. Um, The following night, I slept well for really the first time in my life. I had insomnia my whole life. I thought insomnia was a physiological condition. I thought it was just something I lived with. Actually, I actually found insomnia to be a great thing. I could play piano in the night and do all kinds of things. But the kids all remember me being up all night. But I could never really sleep. And I also always had anxiety, tremendous anxiety. Um, And I had panic attacks, you know, for 18 years straight in my life. I got those settled. But the anxiety and the insomnia went away. I sleep now. It's it's just just being able to sleep is such a gift.
0: What do you think? And that's amazing, um, and I think probably not unusual uh, among stories that people tell about coming out in one way or another. It's like this radio static in mm. the, yeah, that's in the well background that right. doesn't go away until it does. Uh, I'm I'm wondering what do you think enabled um uh, you, you there was a process with your family and it took a lot of years but what what might have enabled your colleagues I and mean, your close friends to embrace christine
2: yeah that's a great question you're asking because i i lead an electric utility it's a very macho business and i and i joke i i have a i have a i i have i'm a I believe in God. I'm. I'm a very. I have a very close relation with God. I always have. And my God, I say, has a twisted sense of humor. It's always funny things happening all the time. And you know, why couldn't I be the CEO of like an arts colony? <laughs> so, so would have been easier. Would have been easier. So, uh, so if you look at work, one of the things that I've always done is, uh, and I, and it is truly, I think, the gift of being uh, transgender is I've always tried to create a work culture which is welcoming to all kinds of ideas and welcoming to all kinds of differences. And my goal has always been to drive out fear in the workplace because I believe if you have a workplace free of fear and an accepting workplace, you get the greatest number of ideas and the greatest commitment. And, we'd, we'd, and I think that as a basis was extremely helpful for people to accept and support me. I also... Didn't realize, but I can say it now. I, I think I I'm pretty well loved by the employees and supported by the board. You know, it's it's it's, it's a, you know, I've I've shed a lot of tears of joy because I realize just how supportive the employees and the board have been, um, and I think that we have a wonderful, it's a wonderful workplace.
0: You 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 are also active on a lot of national committees boards. Oh, yeah. And I just wondered so, how did those people who don't know you as well as, as your colleagues, how have they accepted Christine?
2: Well, I'm going to, I, it, that was, I was sure the national board and the national organization would not accept me. That's one thing that I was absolutely positive of. Um, and, and, you know, I, I talked to some people in the organization prior to prepare them. And they were pretty sure that the organization wasn't going to accept me as well. So, and 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 it wasn't a surprise because it's very, you know, this organization is seventy-five uh, percent of the landmass is covered by the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association. So, so that landmass includes states like North Carolina, where there's a large presence, Indiana, the very conservative states. Um, what's amazing to me is, is is. A couple weeks before my official transition to Christine date, which was December 2nd, I got a call. From, I started getting emails from basically the, all the VPs in the organization. I should tell you the president of the organization was in a coma. So that, you know, I didn't, she was, she's, a, unfortunately she had a brain aneurysm, but but I did get support from all the high levels of the organization, sending me emails of congratulations and support. And then, about uh, two weeks before my transition date, one of the the, the uh, VPs of Regulatory Affairs said, "Would you come speak for us and represent us on December eighth, which was six days after my transition?" And she called and called me, Christine. She picked up the phone and said, "And at the uh, the National Conference of Legislators in Washington." So uh, it was it was pretty miraculous, and I and I was just elected to be the uh, President of the New England Association of Electric Co-ops, so the whole national organization is supporting me as well, and I find that, that as I as I said before, that was not something I ever believed was possible.
0: Well, I mean, we just uh, um, we just learned about corporations pulling out of North Carolina because of the stance that they've taken about public restrooms, um, and we the Democratic. Uh, party adopted a platform, and people on national television use the words gay, lesbian, transgender um, individuals. Has the climate, I, mean, I guess I'm wondering, it, how much did the climate um, in the United States, where these issues are being openly discussed, uh, affect the way that people reacted? Or, or do you think it was really the personal, right, who you were?
2: You know I I uh I will tell you th- three I th- I've developed a, a close relationship with um the National S- Center for Transgender Equality and uh, one of the uh the the things the president said to me the president of the organization said to me is that uh 3 years ago I said what's the best thing I can do for the transgender community and she said be successful I think that was one of the most wise things I had ever heard what did that mean? Uh, what what that means is we we need we need good transgender narratives, you know for people to 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 look to because it's easy to find bad narratives in any minority culture or any oppressed culture. So that again talked to the importance of me be, being a strong leader when I transitioned. So I guess what I'm saying is I think it's a combination of the fact that, I do have a lot of respect um, prior to the transition. Um, so I think that's important. I, I don't even, you know, that when you look at the national climate today, I'm sure everybody who looks at the climate at the national level today is probably equally confused. It seems like we have become highly polarized. And, you know, you look at the people who are, who are bigots or misogynists or those kind of things, and they're getting very loud it seems in this election cycle, um, I don't know whether that's a natural, you know, it's it gets darkest before the dawn situation, and, and we'll, I, so we'll see. Um, I do think we're in dangerous times, and I do think people really have to to vote, and I do think the Democratic Party has to align. I I'm a big Bernie supporter, but boy, I'm going to support Hillary uh, because. The platform of the Republican Party is horrible. It's in, and I'm speaking, and I've, as, as a member of the LBGT community, there's no way I could cast the vote with the Republican pat- platform as it is, no matter who the leader was. Of course, the leader's um, even crazier than anything I've ever seen. But, but that point being, if those people who were Bernie supporters really need to come out and, and think about The minority communities. You know, I've been doing a lot of discussions with uh, some African, you know, African uh, inner-city woman on online, um, and they've really caused me to think as well that we we those of us in oppressed communities need to all be aligned.
0: You um you did you you mentioned in an interview that I read uh, that you said to a new employee, well. Uh, you would you'll like Christine better than you would have liked Dave. What did you mean by that?
2: Well, you know, I I've there's been significant change in in me. You know, not the base person, but I I was uh, you know in in order to, my biggest fear. And it's it's amazing how the fear can drive you in life. Was people actually discovering I was transgender? So I was a lot of bravado, you know. I was very macho. I did a lot of things to cover, and I was also you know life of the party and doing a lot of doing a lot of things that were just you know I, just just to just to make sure I had acceptance.
0: But that weren't you. That, that
2: wasn't yeah. It's not and not really. In fact, I even have have a hard time doing it now because I feel so calm and centered. So and it, so, people notice I'm much quieter. If the family immediately notice that when I'm in social settings, well, you're not really saying anything. Well, I that also helps, I think, tremendously in terms of leadership because I can calm down and listen more. So, so I think what what I think people find is that I'm much quieter and I listen more and and I, I'm. I, I it's easy for me to be even more sensitive. But at the same time, I also hear from a lot of people that they miss Dave. And I don't know what that means yet. We, you know, I was even processing that with some folks yesterday. Well, what does that mean? Well, we don't really know. People don't really know what that means. So so I, I don't know what it means either. You know, I don't know whether there's, it's, I, I don't even want to read too much into it. Because, and I say to folks when they say miss Dave as well. Dave's gone. Dave's not coming back. You know,
0: a lot of people who have come out as gay will talk about their lives as before and after. Is that how you think? Yes. About oh, your yes. Life? Very
2: much so. Yeah. 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 It's very. It's kind of. A, 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 I'm now living my authentic life versus living the inauthentic life prior to December second. Um, And I do, I do, another thing I tell folks is, I really recognize being transgender is a gift. It's been a great gift. And I'm finally at the point where now I'm able to realize just how great a gift it is. But there's also, in a funny way, there's a gift of having your inauthenticity be so painful that you have to deal with it. And and I hope that we, you know, the hope, and who knows how long it's going to take, and, you know, maybe it's, 300 years, but you know, I hope someday we can all be totally acceptance of each other so that people do not need to be inauthentic. Because think of what we're losing because we're not because people don't feel they can be authentic. And I think we're, I think once we accept people for who they are, truly accept them, we'll take a great leap in terms of humankind.
0: Well, if. If only because all of the energy that is spent hiding that part of ourselves can be spent pursuing what we love and um, and becoming who we are. I, I before we ask the last question that we tend to ask our guests, I, I, I you had mentioned in one article that you are now more aware of gender bias.
2: Oh yes
0: than you were as David.
2: Thank you for asking that question because yeah. tell
0: I- Tell me more about that.
2: Yes, you know, as a white male, I was unaware. You, you, we, I, we, I will tell you, I was running around thinking that, oh, things are fine, everything's balanced. You know, we, and, and we see, and we can see a certainty in this election cycle, maybe we're all waking up, but the racism has always been there. The gender bias has always been there. And I'll tell you, my first experience was right away. And, and I have a wonderful daughter, Kirsten, who I talk with a lot. She's very wise, and she just enjoy her company. And, and so, I was talking to her probably a week after I came out. And I was in a meeting with 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 about fourteen other peers who I normally work with. And it, it was an all day meeting. And I and I had an idea. And I I'd raised my hand. And I I said that, and I wasn't recognized. So I said I said what it was. And then it's like, oh, that's weird. Nobody noticed me. And then, a, you know, a few hours later, I said something, and it was the same thing. Nobody noticed me. And then in the afternoon, one of the guys said something. Oh, Christine said that this morning. I was like, that was weird. I said to my, I, I said to my daughter, I said, well, I wonder if that was transphobia. She said, no, that's not transphobia. That's a, being a woman. Welcome to being a woman. And since then, I've been keenly aware of the gender differences in the workplace. Un, it's just unbelievable.
0: Well, tell say it, something. Well,
2: you know, one of the things is um m- m- men are highly aggressive and so much so that you know, you, you you have a hard time. I have a hard time now getting my thoughts in. But at the same time I recognize and this is what some folks have observed about me. I I Am less sure of myself today than I was before. I was very sh- assured and and I knew I was right. That doesn't happen anymore. Well, I like that actually. <laughs> you know, again, it, it ties to the listening. I think it's going to help employees even be more productive because I've I, I, I'm not so sure of myself anymore. Um, now, is that gender? I don't know, but boy as a man, I was a lot more sh- assured. And certainly, from what I see of the male population, they're pretty sure of themselves.
0: We conclude all of our interviews with a question um, by asking guests to consider the advice that they would give to a twenty-one-year-old, given their life experience.
2: Oh, uh, thank you for asking that as well, because you know, I uh, one of the things I've I've read lots of books, and you know, as as a leader, and, all things, and we we and there are, they say there are two things that humans have. One is the need to survive, and then the other is the need for connection. But I'm going to say there's a third thing that's equally important, and that's the need to be authentic. So I would tell any 21-year-old, figure out who you are and be that person, and don't worry about what others think because you will have a much better life.
0: It has been a wonderful conversation. It's been a real gift to have you with us. Uh, Thanks for spending time
1: here.
2: And thank you for having me.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Makeup Podcast. Tiffany Bloomley is your host, and I'm your producer, Marissa Parisi. Our theme music is written and performed by Gio Vanina Bucci, and we are proud and grateful to partner with Vermont Public Radio on the production of our podcast. You can hear previous episodes by looking us up on iTunes or SoundCloud, or on our website, nomakeuppodcast.com. On our website, you will find cool links and more info about our guests. Sponsors for this episode include Elida Duncan, who did the awesome No Makeup logo, and our friends at Langrocks, Berry & Wool. One last note, we want to hear from you. If you have suggestions on guests or topics, head on over to our contact page on our website, Facebook page, or Twitter feed and tell us what you think. Remember, nomakeuppodcast.com. No makeup, no mask. No makeup, no mask. Run is my skin this beautiful vessel I, I'm living it